If you're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums, is here before you die. talking about Dwight Yoakam, Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room. In the room, I have Rob. We're Earthlings. Let's blow up Earth things. <laughs> On the line, I have Ben. Hi. And Jackson. <laughs> Hello. Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room is the third studio album by the country singer Dwight Yoakam. Released in 1988, the producer was Pete Anderson, and the genre is country. I'm going to read from the book, Ross Fortune. He looked apart right from the get-go, a long, tall drink of water and a big hat, pointy boots, and impossibly tight jeans. Most of all, Dwight Yoakam sang pure honky-tonk like some lost or fallen angel. His 1986 debut, Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc., had been a gem. The follow-up, Hillbilly Deluxe, was even better. This, his third, was the cream of the crop, and Buenas Noches from a Lonely Room, was his best song, a poetic and poignant confessional of jealousy, vengeance, and murder delivered with a tenderly wrought glint of twang. Elsewhere, Streets of Bakersfield was an old Buck Owens favorite, and somehow Yoakam managed to coax him out of retirement to sing it. I sang Dixie, meanwhile, gently dignified the rebel South, hold on to, to God, found Yoakam embracing gospel, a bet with a little twist. Kentucky raised the young Yoakum had been laughably rejected as being too country for Nashville, so he headed to California instead, probably a more appropriate musical home anyway. Yoakum mixture of country sources with influences ranging from Elvis Presley to the Beatles and Creedence Clearwater Revival. It was dubbed a new traditionalist. He sounded old and new at the same time. Nashville might not have approved, but he could not be denied. Critics raved and sales soared. All right, what do we think of Dwight Yoakam? Buenas noches from Lonely Room. Kentucky's own Dwight Yoakam? Yes. The very same. Big fan. Yeah. This Huge is fan. Big toe-tapping mm-hmm. country for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love Dwight Yoakam, and the more I learn about Dwight Yoakam, the more I like about Dwight Yoakam. I got into his first two records... A while ago, and it took me a lot longer to to happen upon this one, even though it, it came just right up on deck after those first two. And I'm in the first two, you know, they're they're a bit more rocking. But the more I listen to this one, the more the more I love it. I love that it's not necessarily a concept album, but side one, those first five tracks, it's like a five track long murder ballad. Like that's that yeah. that that can be seen as one story, and I like that a lot. I think it's cool. Yeah, taking us back to the what Leuven Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of murder ballads from the Appalachia area. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty dark, really. If you kind of get down to the to the you know the lyrics and the narratives, e- even like 
what would be considered like the rose colored glasses track of it, like track one, I got you where like where he's good in his relationship. He's good in his relationship, but everything else in his life has fallen to shit. <laughs> you know, like this is a man like in dire straits, but he meets this woman and, and he, he's got her and he hangs all of his hopes up on that. And, you know, then things just kind of don't work out the way he thought it was going to. I do have to ask about a line. One of my favorite lines is from the beginning, you know, uh, Bell said for my next phone call, I can just walk outside and yell, you know, meaning <laughs> his, his his phone's cut off. But when he says the guy says the next 10 gallons of gas won't be going in your tank. Does that mean he's going to burn a house down? I thought he was going to burn the bank down. OK, that's mm. what I got the impression of, but I couldn't really tell. Definitely some kind of arson situation. (laughs) Awesome. So good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little disturbed to hear uh, what what I don't know is like just straight up. If I learn the truth, then I will murder you. (laughs) You're going to kill me. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, He he, he flat out says what his intentions are. And then a few songs later follows follows us through with it. I even like uh, like that Johnny Cash cover kind of snuck right in, right right in the near the end of track one there with Home of the Blues. I mm-hmm. think it's a it's a good cover. It's a good treatment of the song, and it even it fits nicely in the narrative to 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 put it right there. You know, I think it's really cool that Dwight was rejected in Nashville, then moved to L.A., and then just started getting on these punk rock shows and like playing with like Husker Du and the Blasters and X and like kind of started developing a, a fan base from an unlikely crowd. And I, I really respect that about him. I think it's really cool. Yeah. We were, Kyle kept asking us, what's cowpunk? What does cowpunk mean? And we couldn't really, I couldn't think of a single artist to say, Oh, it's, it's this, but oh, he still doesn't think it's real. Yeah. He <laughs> thinks it's a fabrication we made up, but a lot of people credit that to Steve Earl, Dwight Yoakam playing yeah. those punk shows, essentially playing the traditional, honky-tonk country just sped up yeah it's it's almost more of a scene i feel like than it is like a even more of a niche sub genre but you know with like the like the blasters and x and these guys even like los lobos you know were in that that in that scene too and they kind of just all played together at the at the at the time anymore you just gotta head down to muddy muddy roots festival and in Tennessee, and you'll you'll see any band that calls themselves cowpunk. Yeah, they'll be there. It's there. The, the, the gathering of the cowpunks. Yeah. <laughs> they will also <laughs> dose you with LSD <laughs> at Muddy Roots. Do not accept a drink from anyone. In general, at a festival. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he said they they also played with Violent Femmes, and Dwight said. It's not genre or idiom specific. Emotional expression is what we had in common with uh, any audience we played in front of. You know, human beings responding to that sort of independent of genre. So, yeah. you know, who's going to do I absolutely crowd. see that connection really between. That. Yeah. Yeah. Those other bands played, especially Dwight Yoakam and, and Violent Femmes. Like, uh, you know who loves a good murder ballad? It's Violent Femmes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about Flaco Jimenez too, who, who Dwight also got to play on this album, and that's you know, and you know, I mean, I think even like, is that the accordion guy? Yeah, like Tex Mex, you know, Nor- Nor- Norteño, mm-hmm. country sort of country ish traditional music like that is kind of also part of the. I think you can lump that in the scene too. 
Um, the the cowpunk scene or into like yeah. the, the Bakersfield honky tonk scene. Uh, I mean, I, I was referring to the cowpunk scene mostly, but I mean, I can Ooh. say totally. You know, there's definitely some cross cross pollination there. It's freaking fantastic. Read an interview with Buck once, and he was talking about his influences, and he was talking about on like a radio. Like in Bakersfield, it was strong enough radio. You could get those Mexican polkas in. And mm-hmm. he was saying it absolutely was seeping in when he was songwriting and stuff like that. So awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm not as familiar, Ben, with the previous Dwight Yoakam albums. And a lot was placed upon this one as being a little more of a breakout for that type of music. The sort of incorporating a little more of a the sort of Tex-Mex. Absolutely. Yeah, this one, it, this one's definitely a more mature mm-hmm. album, you know, and, and he, he's, he's, he is, he's stretching out a little bit, mixing more of that stuff. The first two are mostly just kind of straightforward honky tonk and they've got their slow songs, but it's just full of rippers and barn burners as well. You know, like guitars, Cadillacs, a song like his cover of Johnny Horton's honky tonk man, which is a rager. There's, Good vibes all around, but I'm also here for this. Yeah. Uh, I like this a lot. Bad vibes too. Pretty, it's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, the only time I heard uh, guitars Cadillacs uh, was from the uh, Terminator Two. Oh when yeah, he walks into the biker bar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally. playing. oh yeah, <laughs> yep. yep. And no. my shed, Rob. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Party shed. Way more than you wanted. <laughs> Beat up six to seven Chevrolet. Hey, hey. I would torn up seat, folks, brand new, hole in my back near every day. I got a letter from the folks over at Bell. Just to let me know my next phone call, I could walk outside and yell. Hey, I know my life seems a mess, but honey, things. I learned I learned this week that back in the day, uh, Dwight Yoakam and Steve Earle had a bit of a, a, a rivalry. So not quite a feud, but more of a rivalry. I didn't know about it, but it doesn't surprise me. I kind of like it. They're both strong personalities doing similar things. But Steve Earle's definitely slugging it out in Nashville. And Dwight was finding success elsewhere and kind of talking some smack on the Nashville scene. And Steve Earle was taking umbrage with it. But eventually he too moved out of Nashville and all of his stand up for for when people are bashing nashville left his system after he moved out of nashville so yeah now, now they're close they, they did a a tour together in 2018 with uh lucinda williams steve earl and dwight yokum so lucinda steve and dwight they call it the lsd tour lsd <laughs> love it, love yep. it. <laughs> yep it's not only a uh, steve earl too uh some critics he kind of rubbed the wrong way when he was you know coming up and a certain village voice uh, writer who I will not name uh, was quoted as saying he has an obnoxious ass twitching stage presence. Yet everything he does is hyper calculated. All part of the pose. B minus. 100%. <laughs> he actually gave this one a B plus. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. It was pretty good. I give it a D. <laughs> no, he, he had, he had good things to say about this one. Uh, I, Later on, I do have uh, a write-up he did for his hits of the 90s, since we're not going to be talking about Dwight Yoakam after this. Yeah. Which is a shame. It is. Yeah. It's uh, a shame we haven't talked about him before it. It's yeah. a shame we're not going to talk about him again after it. Yeah. The, time. There, a couple other really good albums after this. There's, yeah. there's been short shrift for 
country and metal in this book, especially well, right like now. Blues a little bit. Yep. And jazz. And I mean, jazz. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it focuses more, I guess, on pop. It's pop. Well, I, I don't even know that. It's I weird. think it's rock mainly. It's like it's 40% rock British psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The, the longest two years of my life. percent <laughs> <laughs> birds. Yeah, All right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I was just going to comment uh, production-wise. Like, it's slick as a, I don't know, dolphin's Baby's ass. Butt. Um, yeah. But it's also sparse. It doesn't have the countrypolitan string-like arrangements. Yeah. I it, think in, in yeah incorporating the accordion, it feels like that, that te- Tex-Mex vibe. It feels, yeah. it, it yeah. felt to me a lot like, uh, like Red-Headed Stranger sure. or... Uh, yeah, what Stardust? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just the, that that sort of like uh, kind of like back to basics like recording. However, guitar tone wise, sometimes and it's not his fault. It's completely Mister Show's fault. Like the little Bob Odenkirk sure. thing when they try to blow up the moon, and yeah. Bob Odenkirk comes out with a beard and in front of the American flag, like "Don't yeah. you mess with God's America." Hey there, Mister Monkey Man. Everybody do <laughs> like it, it's like the exact same guitar tone, and I I, I can't. My brain can't unhear it, so I kind of laugh every time. That's <laughs> like, like are you talking on. about just that, that that twangy Telecaster? Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that, yep. You know. Pete and Dwight didn't invite that either. It's Pete. <laughs> yep. The producer who also does that twangy guitar. Yeah. Man, I love that twangy guitar though. Pete Anderson is the Don Rich of this album. Yeah, and Dwight's early career. Yeah. And you know those arrangements that you're talking about how you know, how kind of sparse they are. And, you know, that sound of that guitar, like that's what set Dwight apart from everybody else when he came out. And that is, you know, that's because, you know, he didn't have those countrypolitan arrangements and he was going so traditional or whatever with this like rock and roll vibe, you know, two parts rock and roll vibe in there too. Nobody sounded like that. This, this, you know, new traditional kind of thing. And he had the songs and the freaking, you know, star power to back it up. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. had the, he had the fucking songs. Yeah. Uh, uh, to to a uh, to a uh, apologist for Christgauer, I guess we're not na- naming him. He does have that ass twitch though as well. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so much so seen- that you know he became like a almost kind of a movie star, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's he's in he's in films. Yeah, mm-hmm. bad guy in Panic Room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sling Blade. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yep. He can mm-hmm. hold his own. I've seen Dwight in concert six or seven times and i can confirm his ass does still move like that <laughs> i'd love to yeah. see him again the only time i i caught him was a couple years ago at bourbon and beyond he was nice. playing yeah and he always plays streets of bakersfield by the way why uh, why would you not why would you not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i want to play streets of bakersfield i know <laughs> i was serious about that folks thing i, I that's a really I good idea, go straight from fiesta right into streets of bakersfield it's there's they're pretty similar structures he also always so plays really... uh suspicious minds mm. yes uh, yes he does i do have a story about dwight you know loving elvis uh when he met bowie in the 90s he asked him about elvis presley uh, because bowie and elvis share a birthday right and it's like something that only Dwight Yoakam knows because he's into astrology. He's, he's yeah. Well, he's like a, he has a steel <laughs> trap of a mind. Essentially, he knows like so much history. He, he's very good at history and very good at uh, dates and names and, and things. Yes. But Bowie told him that six months before Elvis's death, 
Elvis had asked Bowie to produce his next record. Oh my God. <laughs> and wow. Bowie, Bowie said he would do it. And then every time he would call Memphis, some Memphis mafia guy would pick up and say, he can't come to the phone right now, man. And then, oh. you know, like never happened. But I just I want like, to hear that album damn. so bad. I know in my mind it's like Elvis fronting like uh, on Raw Power or something. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> my God, <laughs> things we can things we can dream about. God damn it! Uh, have you guys uh, recently watched uh, the video of Streets of Bakersfield? No, it's it's no. cool. There, there's a nice uh, Buck Owens reveal. He's Dwight sitting at the bar, but face in the face in the room singing, and then. Right before Buck's lines come, the guy sitting next to him, just the old guy at the bar turns around. It's Buck Owens. He just starts singing. It's it's cool. Buck is, I'm pretty sure, playing Don Rich's Silver Telly in the video. Cool. Amazing. I can't imagine it would be a different Silver Telly that he's playing. Probably not. Also featured in the video is uh, Nudie Cohen's convertible with like the rifles on it. Oh, uh, the guns. Yeah. With the guns on it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We should mention, you know, somehow he got Buck Owens to come out of retirement for this if anyone song. can do it it's it's dwight yokum yeah yep yeah he, he has I mean, like, hey, your, he, he, you might not know this buck but i'm your protege right <laughs> it's still trap of a mind yep. like uh if, if if some nerd's gonna lure that guy out yep. it's gonna be the guy that knows everything about country music and Bakersfield. period Bakersfield, yeah. yeah yeah i'm and sure i'm sure buck recognize recognized that immediately you yeah. know as as someone who yeah who is also you know a road dog and probably you know killed it every night with the buckaroos yeah yep. I'm sure he recognized. Has anyone mentioned yet yeah, that Streets of Bakerfield is a Buck Owens song? True story. Uh, yeah, it was a Buck Buck. It was a single that Buck released in I think '73, and it didn't get that much traction. Definitely not like Dwight's version of it. But uh, yeah, it's cool to to get Buck come in and and sing on a cover of his own song. I think it's awesome. I think it's cool that when this came out, probably most music listening age people remembered Buck from Hee Haw, you know? So it's nice to to see him back making some honky tonk again, you know? Where he fucking it, belongs. Yeah, where he fucking belongs. I mean, the best in the fucking game. Mm-hmm. Best in the business. Uh, do you know the story of Streets of Bakersfield? I didn't. I didn't until this week. Yeah. The Homer Joy was writing it uh, and he he was supposed to do a, a record. He was supposed to record the song or not that song, but he was supposed to do a record. The studio that he was going to record at, uh, the Buckaroos were busy practicing. So he he would have to wait, you know, uh, for their practice. And he would show up at the studio 8 a.m. every morning only to be told that the Buckaroos you know, we're still in there. They're still practicing for upcoming gigs. So he just decided to walk around, you know, walk around town, just kept walking. And he had brand new cowboy boots on. So he's just walking around Bakersfield <laughs> and just getting these blisters. And by the time, you know, he's done walking, he can barely, you know, make it back to the hotel room. And then he just he writes Streets of Bakersfield about his <laughs> painful, painful feet of walking around. <laughs> Wasn't it that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, wasn't he like hired to write a song for like Buck? Yeah. And part of his payment was he would get recording time. He'd be able to record some of his own stuff. And he had paid, he had done his part of it. And he's just waiting for this recording time, just walk around Bakersfield, getting antsy. 
writing a classic song. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. it. So uh, good. And that became the first number one for Dwight Yoakam and the last number one for uh, Buck Owens. True power. Oh, cool. wow. oh, I love it's it. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, there would be no, there would be no Dwight without Buck. Mm-mm. We wouldn't even be listening to this kind of music ever. I don't think. Sad but true. And what I don't know might not hurt me if I stick Suck blowins. Suck blowins. <laughs> uh, I miss me some suck blowins. I also miss me some suck blowins. Um, I have, I have, I have. It's on, it's on Bandcamp. I have the link if you guys want it. Oh okay. yeah, we will. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hyperlink that shit. <laughs> yeah. into, uh, can that be? Can that be a, a Patreon episode? Sure. <laughs> sure. Suck blowins. In. <laughs> in his fuckaroo. Oh my god. <laughs> So embarrassing. Oh, uh, so dear, good. dear listeners, uh, uh, Jackson <laughs> uh, used to front a Buck Owens and the Buckaroos tribute band where they would weird out the lyrics into a into just filthy, dirty things. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's 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 one of my favorite bands. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people I know are like really ask me more about that than any other <laughs> what I'm most surprised about is how many Bucko and song titles lend themselves so easily into like 13 year old dick jokes it's amazing I mean it really just it's kind like of wrote almost itself. all of them mm-hmm. it's it was not it went that did that didn't take long at all <laughs> I think we played three we played live three times I think women just walked out every single time from the shows you have a favorite song title jackson um let's see i'm pretty partial to sam's face <laughs> um. uh, i always come back to uh roll out the red rocket roll out the red rocket classic <laughs> yep <laughs> so sad did we you know that that dwight yoakum has his own biscuit company called bakersfield biscuits now our listeners in England, those aren't cookies. It's a it's a mm-hmm. breakfast bread. You you could put honey on it or maybe an egg. Maybe just some butter. Maybe just yeah. some butter. Maybe yeah. some jam. Mm. Ooh, or top it with some gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Throw a, I've never throw had Bakersfield biscuits. Do we? I, I, do I need to go to California to get them? <laughs> we need to make this happen. Yeah. I want them in my local grocer's freezer section. Well, get yourself get on a this, mar- Dwight. Get yourself a marker. <laughs> get yourself a poster board. Stand outside the croaker <laughs> and demand it. <laughs> Exercise your right. What Dwight Yoakam says about the content, the themes of this album, he says, I get moody, I kill someone, then I get religion in the end. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think he did that, what was that traditional gospel, hold on to God for his mom, he said. Yeah. He- to which Christ Gow said, the inspirational number he wrote for his mom convinces me of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of agree. Yeah, it yeah. is a weird it's closer. Not my favorite way for the album to end, to be honest. I but. would like that song as a closer better 
if the other songs on side two fit more of the theme of side one, if it was a bit of a continuation of the story, like whether he's in jail or on the run or, or, or seeking redemption or whatever, if, if the whole thing was, was kind of a nice arc, then I'd, I, I would appreciate the gospel song at the end. I think, yeah. mm-hmm. but as yeah. is, yeah, it, it's, it's fine. Yeah. That is, that is mama yeah. stoked. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like the song. I just, it just, and I'm down with plenty of gospel stuff. It just, it just seems like a weird kind of, but if it's going to be on there, it has to be last, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, No, it fits no other place to put it. So I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. I mean, since this was on CD, they could have just added a hidden track. Uh, Yeah. But then his mom wouldn't have stuck around (laughs) to hear that. She wouldn't have been doing the negative countdown. Yeah. It was eventually certified platinum, did very well. I mean, obviously, uh, two number one hot country singles uh, with this. Uh, Bakersfield and I Sang Dixie? Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm, I'm just going to get you uh, get you Christ Gow's take from his uh, ni- his hits from the 90s. Um, Please. And here it is, yeah. Whenever I ponder this multi-threat singer-songwriter, honky-tonk, ideologue, Hollywood role-player, published author... And hunk if you like your meat lean. I remember what Sharon Stone <laughs> said. I remember what Sharon Stone said about the prospects of their reunion. I'd rather eat a dirt sandwich. Normally, with country music, you swallow the male chauvinism and figure it's guys' feelings. Sorry for themselves is what makes it go. With Yoakum, so talented and so conscious, you expect a little movement within the paradigm. And conclude that he chose Neotrad because movement was the last thing on his mind. But even in his most romantic moment is the Waylon cover where he goes back to his old lady because his new lady was playing games. He's sung and written his way into the male chauvinist canon. His best songs of the 90s for its heartbroke melody. 1990s, The Heart That You Own. Latest rock cover, the finale, the finale Queen's Crazy Little Thing Called Love. He just can't handle it, uh, must get round it, etc. Right, Dwight? Or is that just that dirt bag? A minus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, miserable guy. What so miserable. So miserable. Uh, I, I don't think that every artist is, is, should be expected to do everything. You, you, you can't expect Dwight Yoakam to be a, a new traditionalist and also progressive. Because if he was progressive, he wouldn't be a traditionalist. Yep. He's he's doing the thing. Let him do it. He's not he's also probably not very good at R and B, Chrysgow. Like because he's because he plays honky tonk. Yeah. Yeah. did yeah. like it. Yeah. He just Yeah, yeah. He, Roundabout way. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He the took old, a dump on it. The old reach around. <laughs> Chrysgow reach around there. <laughs> it's a real thing. Uh, I, I've, I've just got a couple uh, just things to add. Uh, Time magazine said that Dwight strides the strides the line between rock's lust and country's lament. I thought that was cool. And I thought he does. And also uh, honky tonk man off of uh, guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc., was the very first country music video to be played on MTV. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, I don't need to go around, right? Everybody's yeah, great. thumbs up on this one. Positive. Big time. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, this is great. This is really, yeah, like I said before, toe tapping. I just put it on. I was in the kitchen. And I was like, damn, this is fun. Mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. really 
it has a real upbeat vibe uh and then it, yeah it has the nice ballads it has everything kind of you some murder right in the middle yeah some mm-hmm. murder <laughs> threats arson yeah yeah vagrancy jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> jesus and and baby jesus selling uh your la- uh your house and a watch for 15 dollars whatever you would call that that's cool that's a bad deal you just got to get back to bakersfield man you're done with the bay done with the bay area Gotta get back to Bakerville. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next time we'll be talking about Jane's addiction. Nothing shocking. All right. Thanks all. She wore red dresses With her black shining hair Oh, she had my baby